The two main questions I tend to get when people learn that I've made a huge life pivot are one, how did I come to that decision? And two, how is it going? In preparing for this episode, I came across a quote by Phil McGraw, better known as Dr. Phil. He says, sometimes you make the right decision. Sometimes you make the decision right. Sit with that for a moment. We'll come back to it. Hello, I'm Nassim, and welcome to Becoming My Stronger Me, a podcast designed to help you become stronger in mind, body, and heart. Up until a few years ago, my journey was pretty linear, following a traditional path. And then, in a perfect storm of circumstances, I pivoted to pursue a more fulfilling and meaningful life. Join me as I share what I've learned about myself that's helped me to become my stronger me. Today I'm going to bring you into my decision-making process. It isn't a process like a recipe. I'm not going to be able to unpack in order the exact details of a decision I made over two years ago. But what I can do is leverage my expertise in psychology around the research and the information on decision-making, the elements of decision-making, and the kinds of decisions we're actually talking about. because. Not all decisions are created equal. So let's get started. In preparation for today's episode, I went back into textbooks I used to teach from, mainly from my introduction to psychology classes. I've also taught developmental psychology, child development, statistics, lifespan development, classes like that. I'm a developmental psychologist by training. My research interests were in social, emotional, and cognitive development over time, with their interconnectedness and how it shapes who we are. Yeah, I know, it's a lot of jargon. I'm not here to provide you a psychology lesson. I'm not here to prescribe a particular decision-making process or convince you that one theory is more correct than another. Instead, I'm here to share with you examples from my journey and how I went through making a major life decision. As I said, in preparation for this episode, I looked through some old textbooks. There's so much research on decision-making that if you Google it, you may get someone's blog. That's the seven tips, or you'll get a seemingly reputable article, 10 ways to make a big life decision. It is an incredible display of summaries, tips, tricks, rules, and, and that's just for the everyday regular person. There's a whole slew of information and research if you're a manager, if you're a business owner, if you're a leader, whatever. Most, if not all of them, are valid in their own way. So I'm absolutely not here to credit or discredit anything that's out there. Instead, I want to share that in my reflections in reading the scholarly literature, and the more accessible information that people have put out there in self-help books, on the web, podcast, blogs, and all the ways that we share information. In my experience in life, there are some similar biggest life decisions that people wrestle with. And in those decision-making processes, there are some common elements. So I'm going to weave into all of this my story, and I'll talk about these two big things 
the big categories of big life decisions, and the common elements of the decision-making processes for those kinds of big life decisions. So with all of that said, what do I mean when I say a big life decision? I'm going to adopt a definition from Dr. Adrian Camillari, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. In his Psychology Today article from January of 2021, he summarizes his work and defines a big life decision as a decision that is intentionally made between two or more choices with significant long-term impact. Let's tease that apart. A decision intentionally made. What we're referencing here is a decision that we have an opportunity to have a thoughtful process around. We are not referring to a split second decision. Do I go right? Do I go left kind of decision? Those have their own processes, their own physiological responses, and they're valid. They have a time and a place for them. It's just not the conversation we're having today. Anyway, we're talking about a decision intentionally made with two or more choices. So this isn't a situation where you only have one choice and you just have to commit to doing it. This is not that. We're talking about a decision intentionally made with two or more choices with a significant long-term impact. And I think this is where it really differentiates itself from a big decision that has long-term impact with an everyday decision or something that's short-term or is very low stakes. So for the purposes of our conversation today, we are going to be referencing the big life decisions. Again, intentionally made by choosing between two or more choices with a significant long-term impact. Dr. Camilleri in that same article summarizes his research in determining the most common biggest life decisions in people ages 20 to 80. He surveyed this group of folks They are in different generations, different life experiences, probably different decisions were important in different parts of their lives, and they are reflecting back on what they would indicate are some categories of biggest life decisions. There are eight of them, and at the very top of the list are career decisions. Career decisions are common across people ages 20 to 80. I was not surprised by this. Hopefully, you're not surprised by this either. My story is going to lie in this category of biggest life decision. But that, obviously, is not the only category. There are seven others that are also very important that came out of his research. They are education, family, decisions related to finance, relationships, relocation, self-destruction, and self-development. I'm hoping that the decision-making elements that I share today will be something that you keep in mind as you embark on your next big life decision in any of these categories. Join the post-episode conversation on Facebook on the Becoming My Stronger Me podcast page. I'll post a link to the full article there and would love to hear about a big life decision you've been through or are considering. As I share in the episode, The Road Less Traveled, I decided to pivot from a seemingly successful career as a higher education administrator and on 
March 4th of 2021, I had my last full day in a full-time position. That decision to some people felt instant, rushed, reactive. What I'm going to be sharing with you today is that it wasn't like that at all. The elements of decision-making, the process of decision-making, the thinking about the possibility of this choice had begun months prior, not only in the seeds of its ideas, but also in the active process of thinking, reflecting, feeling, and repeating that over and over in what I would deem are the common elements that are shared across the literature on decision-making. There are nine of them, nine elements of decision-making that I'll be referring to. They are the role of emotions, the value of time, weighing your pros and cons, the alignment of the decision with your goals and values, considering all the possibilities, talking it out with people you trust, journaling and reflecting, planning your communication strategy, and allowing for the change to occur. I've put the role of emotions and the value of time at the top of my list as the most important elements of the decision-making process. Before I talk about my story during this period of time of thoughtful decision-making leading up to my great resignation, let's talk about my ability to sit with my emotions. This was not a strength of mine. People around me will tell you that I was a thoughtful, rational, very left brain, pros and cons kind of decision maker. I don't process emotion very well or even at all. We can call it a fault or we can call it a strength and we can put a value on it, but we really don't need to for this conversation or any other conversation. Regardless of whether you live your emotions out loud, whether you process before you display them, or whether you even reflect on them at all, I want to emphasize the value of sitting in the emotion, whatever it might be for the process of decision-making. Whatever your default is, I want to emphasize the importance of just being able to sit in it, whether it's comfortable for you or not. Change, especially significant change that changes your life path, has the potential to prompt lots of emotions and even physical responses. You might feel nauseous. You might have a hard time sleeping. Your eating might change. Your heart might race. You may feel just overall more stressed and irritable. All of these physical responses, the physical symptoms to your emotions are cues for you. We often don't pay attention to them. I'm guilty of that. But these are cues to sit in it for a while, to sit in the excitement of the choice, sit in the nervousness of it, the anxiety of the choice, sit in the sadness of what you might be giving up, Give it its space to process. And whether you have someone in your life that will be a sounding board to process the emotion, or you're doing some things that I've shared, like journaling and reflecting, make sure you leave space for processing the emotion. Why are you sad? 
Why are you nervous? Why are you anxious? Why are you excited? What are you truly afraid of? Why do you feel at peace in the moment? As you thoughtfully think through the emotional components, many of the other things like the pros and cons, does the choice align with my goals and values? Am I comfortable that I've looked with at all the possibility? All the other things that we're talking about here will become clearer when you are in tune with the emotions that are bubbling up as a result. Our emotions and the physical responses to them are very powerful signals. There is a lot of research in the field on the value of all of our emotions, positive and negative. One of my favorite experts in this field is Dr. Susan David and her work on the value of negative emotions. I will also try to link her TED talk in the Facebook page, but she's done some incredible research on the value of what we in society call negative emotions. And if we just call emotions emotions and think about the value they bring to our thoughts, they all have value. When faced with a big life decision, I cannot emphasize enough the value of emotions. In my perfect storm of factors that led to my great resignation, in so many ways, I was storming on the inside. In November, 2020, I joined an online fitness group called Eager to Motivate. I will talk more in depth about how my physical journey impacted my professional journey in another episode, but I want to mention it here to share that the online environment of this particular group was so overwhelmingly positive and supportive. I was seeing results and my confidence was shifting. I was feeling so much better in my skin and in my heart to have had that kind of virtual environment juxtaposed with my virtual work world and my virtual home world and my real life pandemic environment highlighted an incredible misalignment. There were lots of big emotions. It was a very stressful time with a lot of anxiety, pressure, stress, wondering if you're doing the right thing the right way. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that when you have a bad day or a hard day at work, you should make a major life change. I'm not talking about episodic situations, but instead truly sustained emotional experience. When you sit in your emotions and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? If the answer is that it's something that can be remedied and the overwhelming rest of your emotions is something that you're comfortable with, joy, contentment, peace, satisfaction, then don't let that one negative emotion force you into a big life change. Instead, make the smaller decisions, make the adjustments to remedy the situation. But if you sit in the emotions and you detangle what it is, why it is, and it leads you to a larger issue of maybe some sort of misalignment with your goals and values, that's where you need to embark on the decision-making process. What I hope you're hearing from me is that this is a thoughtful process that requires time above all else to feel and to unpack and to sit in the emotions, time to weigh your pros and cons, time to make that list, put it on paper, literally sit and write it out. 
and not just should I stay or should I go and make that pros and cons if we're talking about a career move, but write the pros and cons of all of the contexts that the decision would impact. I want you to hear that again. When you're working on these big life decisions, they don't solely affect a single aspect of your life. To make a thoughtful decision, we have to consider all of the ways and all of the aspects of our life that it will affect. In my case, figuring out my next career move or move away from a career was going to affect my family, my home life, my financial situations. It was going to affect my friends, maybe even my extended family. I did have a fear of that as well. And we'll talk about that when I get to planning the communication strategy. The list is endless. And I'm not saying whether it fell in the pro or con category. I mean, for a financial shift, some places we were going to save money, like in childcare. But of course, the salary was going to potentially either get eliminated or be substantially decreased. So we as a family had to determine how that affected our lives and for how long our household budget could tolerate that kind of shift. Most of the factors were intertwined. They're not isolated. This process takes time. I would suggest taking as long as the time is available. Time is one of the most critical elements, in my opinion, on the decision-making process. It is allowing the time to process the emotions, allowing the time to fully weigh the pros and cons, allowing the time to rediscover your values, reconfirm them, reconfirm your goals, or redesign your goals and align your decision with it. It allows you the time to consider absolutely all the possibilities and making sure you leave time to talk it out. I connected with my mentors during this time, and they were invaluable to asking me the questions that I needed to reflect on, what I needed to spend more time in my thoughts sitting in. Talk it out with your partner at home. Talk it out with your kids. Talk it out with the people that are going to be directly affected. I brought them into the process after I had done some thinking of my own, of course. I reached out to people who had contemplated and actually done something similar. My friend had recently pivoted in her career. I asked her for any insights or valuable lessons she had learned in the process, especially what to expect on the other side of this decision. Did she have any wisdom for me, anything she could give me? It's very important as you're talking to people to keep an open mind, an open heart, and to be calm in thought. Really listen. Ask the questions. Be open to whatever the answers might be. Talking it out is such an important part of the process. There will definitely be conversations that you have that you are defending the choice that is at the top of your list. Even that process alone is important because you get to test your pros and cons list. You get to test your rationale against someone you trust. When they poke holes in your logic, when they ask you a ton of questions, make sure that you take note of the questions because those questions might make your rationale stronger, but they also might poke holes in it and make a different choice, a better choice for you. Hmm. Better choice 
worst choice, good choice, bad choice, please know that what the goal is here is a thoughtful choice. The goal is a thoughtful choice. We often prescribe the value to a decision after we've learned and walked in the outcomes or in the consequences. But that's not information you have in advance. I mean, you can surely hypothesize, you can take educated guesses, but we never know for sure what will happen on the other side. Everything I'm talking about today is about making a thoughtful choice. An important element here in making that thoughtful choice is then allowing the change to occur. Allow the change to actually occur, all of it, everything that comes with it, all the potential changes and challenges that you anticipated or didn't anticipate, but allow that decision to unfold and for changes in your life to occur and embrace that process as well. Sounds like another topic for another episode. It's important to realize that the decision-making process is iterative. Each element can affect the others. Someone you talk to may illuminate yet another possibility to consider or something to add to your pros and cons list. There is no sequential way to move through the decision-making elements I'm describing. But once that decision is made, the last element I want to give a little bit of time to today is on planning your communication strategy. I realize that sounds very professional and work-like communication strategy. A lot of anxiety we have about big life decisions is around what other people might think about it. It's the feedback we're afraid of, the people we might be letting down. Even as adults, we may be afraid of what our parents might think of us. If we take a left turn on this path that they've invested in all of our lives, we're afraid that we might disappoint them. We're afraid of what our colleagues would think, what our mentors would think. Sometimes we're even afraid of uh, what our partners will think of us. When you've made a thoughtful decision, you can lean on that same rationale and other elements you use to get to that decision to determine how to best communicate it with those around you. Think through not only when you'll share the news, but also how you'll frame it and how you might manage the environment to ensure you are as comfortable as you can be. Is it a conversation you'll have in a group setting? Is it best one-on-one? -on -one? Will you share all the relevant rationale or only certain details? For me, I was most nervous about sharing this decision to resign with my parents. There was a lifelong set of sacrifices, set of decisions, that had already gotten me to where I was. They had brought me here to the United States when I was one. My parents themselves were very young. They finished their higher education here, built a life from the ground up. I was raised to have goals and to follow the planned path to achieve them. And for the most part, I'd done that. For me to have a conversation that I was going to pivot in a major way 
caused me a lot of anxiety and angst. But the day that I shared the news with my mom that I was resigning, her first response was of relief. She was so glad and she had been waiting for this. I didn't expect this at all. She went on to share how over the course of the previous months, she had observed a change, a shift in my happiness, and she was worried about me. The response from my dad was similar. Now, of course, in later conversations, they asked questions about what was next and what I was thinking. And even those conversations were actually easier than I thought because I had thought things through. Of course, I didn't have all the answers, but I had set some parameters and some timelines that helped the conversation. For example, I took on a small consulting project to help my transition. I made a list of home projects I wanted to tackle. I also set a budgetary timeline of how long we could manage with a diminished income. I had thought through this part and I was okay talking about it. I had a plan. And with the thoughtful process that led up to it, I was confident in my choice, even if I was uncertain about how it was going to turn out. Let me say that again. I was confident in my choice, even though I was uncertain about how it was going to turn out. For a major life decision, it becomes less about making the right decision and more about making the decision right. Which decision-making elements resonated with you? Which would you like to learn more about? Join me in the Becoming My Stronger Me Facebook group as we talk about questions and reflections from this episode, or send me a message on Instagram at StrongerMe, sharing your stories, your questions, and your reflections. I'd love to hear from you. Let's learn from each other and build a supportive community so that you can become your stronger you.